It's always easier to take care of things on the outside. Everything we're talking about here, Ed, the acquisition and demonstrating courage, making courage statements, being vulnerable, being more self-aware is an inside job. That's where the real work is. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. With us today, a good friend and somebody I rely on maybe too frequently, (laughs) but certainly he's somebody that I know I can go to when the situation requires it. He's Mike Netherton of the Netherton Group. And normally I'd give people a little more background about our guests, but but this is one of those special podcasts. This one is topic-driven. And today we're going to talk about self-awareness and the capacity to have courage or being courageous as a leader. And I don't know of anybody who's earned more right to talk about these two topics than Mike Netherton. So Mike, welcome once again to the Ed Epley Experience. Always a pleasure, Ed. Thank you. Yep. Glad to have you here. The capacity to know yourself is something that I thought I was pretty good at. And then I became aware of all the work that you have done to make yourself more self-aware. And I don't know anyone who's had more rigor or spent more time doing it than yourself. So when did you start on this journey and what has it meant to you and why do you do it? Well, great question. And thank you. It's interesting, Ed, when you say, when did I start the journey? It's been about 18 years ago. And also that journey continues most recently at six o'clock this morning, (laughs) six o'clock Pacific time every day. I'm in a mastermind group with about 15 other leaders from around the country. And we continue what can best be defined as our own personal growth work. But as you and I have talked about in the past, and as you know, I think the best way that I can impart some information is with a story. So I'm going to share a little story. Wonderful. My entire career has been in healthcare administration. And, you know, I live in Southern California in the desert. And I was so fortunate to have spent, you know, 20 plus years at the Betty Ford Center. And I also want the audience, Ed, as you well know, because it is an integral part to what I talk about, is that I'm a recovering alcoholic. And everything in my life that is of value is because I was given the gift of sobriety as a young man. And it really shaped who I am today. But as a recovering alcoholic, and one of the things that's true is that this disease runs in families, and I came from an alcoholic home. And those early childhood experiences really shaped the person that I was and subsequently drove me to look at something different. You know, I was a fear-driven kid, and a lot of young people who live in alcoholic homes, that is a common denominator is fear. And then I spent a lot of time trying to convince you and everybody else that I had it all together and I wasn't, I wasn't scared. Hell, I was scared all the time. And so here I am, you know, I went as the chief operating officer to the Betty Ford Center from our old stomping grounds in Dayton, Ohio, 
And I felt like a fraud and I felt like an imposter. And I was just waiting for them to find out who I really was and for them to realize they had made a mistake in hiring me. So to be clear, Mike, you had already begun your sobriety. You had been in recovery, but you were still operating with this facade. Ed, when I got to the Betty Fortson, I'd been sober 10 years. Okay. And literally, it took an additional 15 years for me to realize the work I had not done. One of my great friends is my old executive assistant from the Betty Ford Center. She came to me one day and she said, Mike, I don't know what's going on with you, but you're making me crazy and you're making a lot of other people crazy. Wow. And I really support you in finding out what that is. And frankly, I got on the phone and I called up the same group of guys I just described. And I said, this is what's going on with me. This is how I'm feeling. And I just wondered if you guys ever feel like this. To a person, we felt like that. And at that moment, Ed, what we did, we made a commitment to come together as a mastermind group and to start, you know, drilling down in and looking at the causes and conditions that shaped us as young men, as middle-aged men, and as leaders. And it really is when, you know, you introduce the topic, self-awareness and courage, they are so closely linked, you know, but it took my secretary yanking the covers off and saying, Mike, what's going on here? And really what's going on is, is the fact that I, I didn't know how to be vulnerable and I didn't know how to talk about my fear. And I thought as soon as I exposed that side of me, that the Secret Service at the Betty Ford Center were going to escort me out to the parking lot. <laughs> and honest to God, I had that thought regularly. Um, and, and so we got together. And really what it was, Ed, uh, it was just a group of, of, of men coming together, making a commitment to tell each other the truth, but not just to tell the truth, but commit to the truth, but also to look at, at the fact that we were all fear-driven and that we were ducking and hiding as leaders. And we were running some of the most premier treatment centers in the country. Uh, and But the fact that we were incapable, I'm going to speak for myself, I was incapable of, of allowing you to know who I was. Uh, I could talk to you about what I did, but letting you know who I was at my core was the challenge. And I, I didn't have the skill set necessary. And I've acquired that over the years, uh, learned how to become more vulnerable, really learned about emotional intelligence, learned how my early childhood experiences uh, really shaped my, uh, my emotional uh, well-being or lack thereof. And I think for leaders, the most important thing we can do is to truly begin to take a deep dive into who we are and to expose that and get to that point where where we can. And you and I have had this conversation. We get to that point where we can talk about, hey, I, I need help. Mm-hmm. And to be able to ask specifically and use those words, I need help. You're better at this than me. Um. One of the hardest things for leaders to do is to basically look at at their colleagues and say, I made a mistake or I'm sorry. And, and when I really looked at your topics for this morning, it is so pertinent to leadership 
that we understand and we become more self-aware. And more self-aware is not an event. It is a lifetime experience that I believe requires a renewed commitment. Uh, We change in the moment. We change with experiences. And experiences will, will bring additional opportunity and push to the surface you know, perhaps some some inability that we were unaware of even the day before. Um, But for me today to understand the importance of of emotional sobriety for me, emotional maturity, self-awareness, and and, and how that truly leads to, to me being able to show up and be more courageous I can't separate out the two any longer, nor do I choose to. <laughs> I wondered if you would go there, Mike. I wondered if you were going to say they, they're not synonyms, but they are so closely uh, tied together. I, I think the more self-aware you are, if I boil it down from, from, my, uh, from my experience, the more self-aware where you are, probably the better able you are to be courageous in appropriate ways. Without a doubt, you know, courage is contagious. Yes. And 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 I do recall, you know, um, you know, and, and you know, I've in and, and these 40 plus years I've done this work, uh, you know, I've only I've only had three jobs and I've been fortunate. I've loved everywhere I've gone. I've just simply loved working with them. But I do recall sitting in in leadership meetings or board meetings and and making a courage statement and 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 you know we, we've all presented been presented with opportunities to make courage statements and and once i was able to make a courage statement and it can be as simple as i just said is you know i need help that's a courage statement a lot of leaders those words will never escape you know and and, and cross their lips right, they right, they are right. incapable of saying and I think I think those leaders, you know, there's such a great difference, uh, a big difference between leadership and management. I've seen I've seen wonderful managers who lack leadership capability. You know, they they can read a balance sheet and they can put together a business development or a marketing sales strategy, but to sit in a group and let their their uh, colleagues know exactly who they are. That's a tough deal. Let's, um, you know, I think what you're doing for the audience that I think is helpful is that sometimes the courage that we need to exhibit is more about um, our own willingness to be vulnerable than it is uh, having courage to deal with something external to either yourself or the business. Well said. And and, and I think that's exactly where the challenge lies is, you know, the courage to be vulnerable to show up as our true selves. Um, you know, one, one of the books that, that I, I frequently go back to, Ed, is, uh, you know, Gay Hendricks wrote a book called The Big Leap. And, and, and I would encourage everyone to, to read that. And in that book, Hendricks talks about operating in the zone of genius, and the zone of genius is nothing more than than us really doing what we love to do, our you know identifying our primary purpose. 
But one of the things that I now know for me to operate in a zone of genius is that I have to be willing to be vulnerable. Uh, I can't operate and, and be the best version of my leadership self that I can be if I'm unwilling to be vulnerable. Okay. If I'm unwilling to allow others that I work with to know exactly who I am and, 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 and do it appropriately, you know, and, and, uh, and, and be very uh, discerning in what I choose to share. Um, but I think, you know, part of the story for me is, and, and a great example of what I'm saying is, um, as a fear-driven individual, I at all costs would avoid conflict. Okay. I hated to engage in conflict. And, and, and to be an effective leader, you know, as we, as we know, you know, we, we first developed this sense of trust and safety with our, with our teams. And then we, we really figure out ways to engage in healthy conflict and dialogue. I could not do that. Conflict scared me to death. And it really, I would lose my voice if I realized that, that I was going to engage in conflict. So you just go silent. I would go silent. And, and, and part of me and, and, and it was explained to me and part of why I really encourage those who might be agreeable to it, to take a look at doing their own personal growth work. But for me, Ed, it was, I would find myself in, in situations, board meetings, just a weekly management meeting, and all of a sudden an issue would come to the surface and be presented that I knew I was going to have to engage in and I didn't want to do it. And and I would go silent. I have this, this I describe it as, or it's described to me, as this trap door. Once that trap door goes shut, just shuts, I'm done. Because I know for me to engage in conflict is going to mean something bad's about ready to happen. And that would either be to you or to others. In other words, you, you would lose your cool. What, what, you, you, would, you would, I would assume, go very uh, volatile one direction or the other. I could go volatile or I'd go silent. Okay. And, and, and volatility for me in leadership is nothing more than a defense mechanism yeah. and designed to keep people away from me. Yeah. So I don't have to be vulnerable and I don't have to engage. I, it's safe to say you've done dealt with hundreds, if maybe not even thousands of executives in your 40 years, correct? Yeah, I've dealt with a lot of, of execs. It's hundreds. At, at a minimum, it's hundreds. Yeah, okay. sure. So what percent of them would you say are highly self-aware? And I'm going to tell you, it's probably, honestly, it's probably between 5 and 10%. It's a low number. It's a low number. And I think, I think that one of the greatest gifts, as I've said, that leaders can give themselves is to to take advantage of becoming more self-aware. Because if you think about it, Ed, it, it, my awareness today, it truly drives a lot of what I do and how I show up, you know, and, 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 and how vulnerable I choose to be and how transparent and authentic. Um, and, 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 if, and if I am not aware of what's going on with me, then I'm going to tremendously diminish my ability to lead. 
not, not only the lead, but it, it, it impacts every area of my life. You know, uh, how many times have I sat with my wife and, and, and I couldn't be vulnerable? And, yeah. you know, and, and tomorrow we celebrate 42 years of marriage, you know, on September 8th. And, and, but I'm aware at times that, that I could have strengthened and enhance my relationship with Maria if I was capable of being more vulnerable. Also, it, it, it you know, it, it's a, it's a parenting oh, requirement, yeah. I oh, think. Yeah. It, it's, you know, <laughs> and I know we both have children and, 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 and my lack of self-awareness really got in the way of my ability to, to the parent at times. And I wish I could take that back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the, the five to 10% that are highly self-aware, um, was it because someone modeled it for them or was it, it was it intuitive that they needed that way or were, were they just blessed to have that? I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering why they possess that capacity. I can only tell you that the leaders I now know who I would put in that, in that percent are, are leaders who had that behavior modeled for them by other individuals in their life who had already arrived at that point where they could be more courageous, more vulnerable, more transparent. Okay. And, 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 and they witnessed it, they saw it, they experienced it. And, and, and I believe one of the, the great gifts that we give ourselves, but subsequently give each other is uh, when, when, when I'm in a, when I'm in a, a meeting and, and I can be radically vulnerable. It gives others the permission oh, yeah. to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, and, and, and if I'm authentic, transparent, vulnerable, then they know that's okay. And, and this, and, and it has to be modeled from the top. It has to cascade down through others. It will never be better than the CEO or formal leader of the organization exhibits, right? The, the organization will never be better at the, the, t- the team will never be better than the person leading the team. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, you, you know, uh, if the audience isn't uh, familiar with it, I, I just want to reiterate your life has been spent in, in for the, the vast majority of it in helping people overcome addictions of all kinds. Um, is, is, uh, is that lowest moment when somebody says, I need help. I can't, I can't do this myself. I don't like who I am. I'm ready to, I'm ready to make the change and do the work, whatever it could be. Is that, is that a combination of self-awareness then kicking in and, and, and then courageousness uh, following close behind? Is that, is, is, uh, is that when it, it all comes together or is that, is it just being highly self-aware at that point and they're not, they don't view, or you wouldn't view what they're doing and admitting that weakness that, that they need this help. Uh, that's not being courageous at the, in that moment. It's the courage comes later. I'm curious if it's one or the other. Well, well, I'll, I'll tell you again. And, and uh, you know, I was on a call with, with a man last week and, and we, we had this very conversation and frankly, it was neither self-awareness nor courage. His life was really rapidly deteriorating. And I think as much as anything, 
he was looking for he was just looking for a way to go and, and, and he didn't he didn't he yeah he exactly he didn't know the questions to ask and i don't believe really when we're in the depths of that disease i didn't have that okay all i all i had was people in my life my parents at that time a couple friends who were saying mike we love you and and this is what this man was hearing i was speaking to last week you know, people telling him, we love you, but you need to do something. And and it was really a, more of a cry for help out of desperation than anything. And I believe once, Ed, we, we, we can least, because when I asked him a very specific question, are you now willing to get some help? And his answer was yes. Then that launches that launches and puts things in the motion that he can subsequently acquire some additional self-awareness and, 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 and some courage down the road. I don't think it's going to, at least in the context of the disease of addiction, it's going to appear in the moment. But I think, I think that it can certainly and will, without a doubt, present itself down the road. So when, um, and, and I, uh, I, I keep going down this from a, uh, somebody who's battling addiction, but I, I think hopefully the audience can see some parallels to the reality of somebody who's, who's in business and maybe not battling addiction. There's still these same kind of issues. So um, somebody who starts in their recovery and then, um, you know, for lack of a better term, they, they, they don't recover. They, they fall back into their old habits and they, they are now drinking again or, or doing drugs, whatever. Um, this journey is always, is, is most of the times not linear, correct? It's, it's, it's fits and starts. Exactly. And relapse is a reality of this, of this disease. All right. So, so when those relapses occur, um, and then they they go back to their their program, whatever it is for them, whatever kind of approach they're working with is is each one of these relapses um, hopefully leads to more self-awareness. Is that is it is it uh, coming to grips with, OK, here's who I am and this is what I'm going to have to do if I'm going to stay in recovery? Well, let's hope so. You know, uh, and, and that's that's not true in all cases, but it's certainly true in some cases. And and. But, but here's the concern with that. You know, we're talking about and we have to look at the fact that, you know, uh, addiction, alcoholism, drug dependency, however we choose to define it, right. is a progressive disease. It's not going to get any better. And it's chronic, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, we, we can identify other chronic diseases. And, and the progression of this de- disease is such it's you know, if, if I'm if I'm drinking and, and using and I stop and I'm sober for five years, if I relapse after five years, I'm not going back to where I originally started and pick it up from there. I'm going to start using drinking from where I would have been had I been using that entire time. Oh, really? That's the progress. Yeah, that is absolutely the progressive nature of Whoa. this disease. That's what makes it so destructive. I never knew that. All the conversations yeah. you and I've had, I've never heard you say that before. You probably yep. said it. You probably said it. I just didn't understand what you were saying because. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is, uh, and it's devastating. And because it's, you know, when, when, when we're looking to diagnose this thing, we're really looking at major life areas that you and I have talked about many times, you know, and. I, 
I'm I'm coming rapidly to a decision as we're having this conversation that a person could be highly self-aware from a business perspective and highly uh, unaware of who they are personally. Is that possible? That they would absolutely possible. They're two different people. There, there's the person they are at work, and there's the person they are at home, and those those may not be the same levels of self awareness. Absolutely, and that was that was it. That that you just described me, you know, and 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 part of what I believe was happening with me is that I was putting on a facade and hoping everybody would, would believe everyone would would get to this point thinking that that I knew exactly what I was doing in all situations at all times. And and but the emotional turmoil that I carried because I was not as aware as I am now uh, diminished my effectiveness. And, and that's my truth. So if if I were to say that it's more likely that an executive would be not as courageous as they need to be in being vulnerable with their team, um than they are to not be courageous about dealing with some threat to the organization. Otherwise, external threat. I, I'm more likely to be courageous with an external threat than I would be to be vulnerable with my own team. Is that is that unreasonable to make that assumption? No, it's extremely reasonable, and here's why. It's always easier to take care of things on the outside. Everything we're talking about here, Ed, the acquisition and demonstrating courage, making courage statements – being vulnerable, being more self-aware is an inside job. That's where the real work is, you know, uh, and nobody can do that work but ourselves. You know, I can't ask an underling to do my personal growth work. And that's the frightening piece, because what it does, we come face to face with who we are. Wow. And a lot of times that's a real frightening experience. (laughs) I don't want to look in that mirror. (laughs) No, and a lot of us don't want to look in that mirror. And by God, I didn't. I didn't look in the mirror because part of the work for me and why it was so important that I place myself in this safe haven of other men and continue to do so, I needed them to model back to me what they were hearing and, frankly, what they were seeing. And I needed men in my life, Ed, who were prepared to tell me the truth and call me out on the BS and call me out when they knew that I was not being as vulnerable as I needed to be or as authentic or as transparent. And I was continuing to duck and hide and avoid the pain that's associated with us by looking in that mirror. Mike, I think if if anybody's uh, listened to this podcast today, and there will be folks who are going to listen to all of it, and probably can't can't stop listening. They're they're the, you've you've hooked them. If they want to begin this journey in earnest, um, are there mastermind groups around, or do we have to create one ourselves? Or I, what would you suggest to somebody who wants to start that journey and doesn't have a group like yours to turn to? I would encourage them to reach out to somebody who perhaps is doing this work or who has engaged in this type of an experience. Because here's the power of what it is we're talking about. There is no downside to this. It's all upside. Once you begin to really take that deep dive into who we are, everything in our life changes. Everything in our lives change. 
when this group of men, when we got together nearly 18 years ago and made this sacred commitment to do this work and come together, that was the genesis of a lot of people in our, and I'm talking about behavioral healthcare industry. When they started to hear what we were doing, others fell in line and started to form their own groups and do their own work. And honestly, Ed, I don't know what it is now, but pre-pandemic, we actually met, the last time we met face-to-face was in March of 2020, and then it all got shut down. But we decided, okay, we're going to do this on Zoom. We can do the same work. There were literally hundreds, without exaggeration, hundreds of women and men who had committed to do this work and were doing this work in the behavioral health care space. And if you think about that, the ultimate beneficiaries of leaders doing their own work are the clients that they serve. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the staff benefits greatly, but we enhance our own clinical product that's being delivered by our willingness to do this work. So if I didn't know somebody personally, I would go online, look, behavioral health, self-awareness. You know what, Ed? I'm going to simplify this. Okay. This is one of the things that I believe so strongly in. If somebody wants to engage in this kind of work, they can send me an email at mike at the netherton group.com and I will, I'll get into, I, I will respond to them. I'll talk with them. N-E-A-T-H-E-R-T-O-N. Am I spelling that right? That's correct. Yeah, Mike Netherton. So Mike at the Netherton group.com. That's correct. Okay. I guess people uh, listening now can appreciate what I'm about to say. If you're going to take away all the names in my phone directory and said you could only have three names in your phone directory other than family, I would make sure one of the three names I had in the phone directory was Mike Netherton. That's how important he has been for me and for a couple of my clients. I know Mike's reached out and done some great things for some folks that were in need of help. And that's just who he is. If people want to reach you, they can reach you at that email address. Is there any final comments you want to leave with our audience today, Mike, about this journey of being courageous and self-aware? Actually, I should say, I think self-awareness precedes courageousness. So let's put self-aware and more courageous. Anything else you want to leave us with? Here's what I'll tell you is that It's such an incredible journey to self-awareness. It's not easy. You know, it's frightening at times, but it's worth it. Whatever we choose to invest the time and energy into that journey, because really all we're talking about, we're talking about going from our heads to our hearts. Yes. And it's worth it. That's what I'll leave everybody with. I can only share with you my personal experience. It's worth it. (laughs) <laughs> and and I would encourage us all to engage in some kind of journey to self-awareness. He's never at a loss for providing help, whether it's to an individual or to a group of us, as we are today, the group listening to this podcast. Mike, thanks so much for being a guest once again on the Ed Epley Experience. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's the 
eppleygroup.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills. 